Hey everyone, and welcome to the Three Crosses Podcast. My name is Buzz Hannon, and I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses Church. This week, we have a very special treat. We've invited my friend Nicole to come on here and share about her life following Jesus Christ and how she has experienced life transformation through life's many challenges. One thing I love about my conversation with Nicole is that Nicole is not a ministry professional. She is not a pastor. She is not seminary trained. She is a person just like you who's trying to make the best sense of what it means to follow Jesus and all of the trials that life throws at you. I really love how she was able to clearly communicate her struggles, pressures of expectations that people lay on you, what it means to raise kids, what it means to work out a marriage, these challenges that face people every single day. Nicole has handled with grace and compassion and endurance, and I think what she has to say will encourage you as we explore God's goodness and how he shows it to us no matter what comes. Let's take a listen. Here I am with Nicole Tegner. Nicole, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Try not <laughs> to get fired. Okay. Um, why don't we just start by uh, those of us that don't know you. Why don't you tell us a little about who you are, maybe your family, uh, what you do. Okay. How long have uh, you been in the Bay? <laughs> um, I'm Nicole. I've been living in the Bay Area for about six years now. I'm married to Luke, and we have two boys, Jackson and Hayden. Jackson is three, and Hayden's going to be six months on Saturday. Okay. And um, all of that is correct so far. You're so far, great. I think I'm. I think I'm telling everything correctly. <laughs> um, I am recently a stay-at-home mom, which is super weird for me because I was always brought up to like be totally into work and all of that, and. It's something new to get used to, but I'm really enjoying it, and I'm enjoying my time with my boys. What's the best thing about being a stay-at-home mom? That The best thing? Um, it's just sharing in, like, little, little, little tiny things during the day that they do or, like, cute things that they say, and you're just – and I get to raise my kids, which is the best part for me because I'm kind of a control freak. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that down. Control freak, okay. What's uh, what's a hard thing about being a stay-at-home mom? What's been hard about that transition? Um, I think going from a working mom to a stay-at-home mom, um, for me, is I identified so much with my work and pouring my – and getting, like, the accolades of, like, you're doing a great job. Um, and I was actually just talking to Natalie about – when you're home with your kids every day, they don't high five you at the end of the day. They're like, you did a great job, mom. So, um, no, in fact, they say, where's my blanket? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and some days are harder than others, but I think, um, it's probably the hardest, but I I mean, it's so cliche to say the most rewarding, but it is. Yeah. Cliches are cliches because they make sense. Right. Sometimes. So it's cool to hear you talk about your life at home and kind of serving out of the spotlight where nobody sees. And I think that's a lot of the ways even that God's goodness hits us. And so this week we're kind of talking about your life story and how you've walked with the Lord and how he's shown his goodness to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a very private thing. And so I'm really grateful that you're going to spend some time talking with us about about these kind of things. So how long would you say you've been following God? Or when did that life with Christ begin for you? Well, I, well, I've always, I I grew up Catholic, so um, that was, uh, I had a huge disconnect there. Um, So I grew up Catholic, I was baptized, I went to Catholic school my whole life, Um, 
up until I was about uh, in sixth grade, uh, my parents took me out of Catholic school and I went to a public school where I didn't know anybody. Um, and that was a very strange transition. Um, my nonna or my grandmother in Italian um, was extremely involved in the Catholic church. Um, and she kind of fed that in me. She passed away when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school and it was really, really hard. And to a point where I was just very closed off, um, closed off to Catholicism, I think. Um, but I dove into any religion I could find. I like throughout high school and throughout college, I was always taking a religion class. Didn't matter what it was, I was in it. And so I think that need was there for me. And I, that longing was there that to be filled with something more or to have understanding of where, what, who God was and where I was in that kind of equation. Um, so it wasn't until I moved to the Bay Area, um, I married into, um, I married a pastor's son, which was, oh, yeah. That's big time. Yeah. So that was very uh, interesting. Um, at the time he was, my father-in-law was a senior pastor here in Castro Valley. And um, I think that was really hard for me because not that I didn't have a, I didn't have a connection with a personal connection with the Lord. Um, and so if you didn't have a, a personal connection with God, um, how did it process more for you? In other words, like what did you think Christianity was about? Like, was um, it more about like a relationship with God and you just didn't feel it? Or did it I seem more just, like it was like these rules that I have to keep I, and these appearances or. I think growing up Catholic, I felt like there was always a, you're a sinner and you're this and you're that. And it's all these bad things. And like the, the like, hand of God is on you. And I, I mean, like it, I just didn't, I didn't understand it. I and the hand of God in terms of like the punishment of the God punishment and like the wrath and of God. Yeah. yeah. Like I just, I didn't know that God was this good guy. He wanted, he wants good things in your life. And I think it, it's still something for me to, that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Um, but I felt like I needed to be in, like I wanted to go to church. And so um, we went to um, we went to my father-in-law's church and I just didn't feel connected and I didn't, I still didn't understand it. And um, then we went to, um, that was about four years ago, I went to um, Resonate in Fremont and I was totally taken back. I didn't, I wasn't expecting anything. I went with my girlfriend. She sat us right in the front row, and I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. The front row is where the magic happens. <laughs> I was like, Our listeners I... should write that down. The front row, amazing. <laughs> I just felt really, like, I was nervous. And once I sat there and I listened to um, the band and everything, I listened, and they sang Oceans by Hillsong United, and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like I just felt overcome like with the Lord, like just being like, you're here and you're listening and today is the day. And I was bawling. I was like, I felt, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm one of those people at church that's crying. Like the people that I would see, like, I didn't get it until I got it. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I kind of do, which is a weird thing I think about when we talk about faith stories, like they totally make sense to you because they're so personal. And I remember 
like looking into other people's lives and it doesn't make any sense. You know, a few episodes back on our Three Crosses podcast, we talked to Carolina Andes about how she would understand people talking about like, just give it up to God. And it didn't make any sense until it makes sense and you like kind of catch it. So Mm -hmm. I know it's difficult to describe like, what was it that made it different this time? But maybe you could talk a little bit about how the experience of it was different from moving away from like a rules kind of a deal. Actually, I don't like that question. Let me ask it a different way. So why do you think that you kept pursuing God when God seemed like a rules master who just wanted to punish you and you didn't, as you say, get it for a while? Why do you think you kept seeking? I think God just didn't give up on me. I think he put this thought in my head that you're going to figure it out. You will figure it out on your own time, but I'm not going to stop pursuing you. So I think that that was the biggest thing. Like, I didn't know that it was God doing that until you're, I th- and I think that's pretty common for people is to look back on your life and reflect on it and being like, God was there the whole time, but, and he never left me. And I'm here now and I can reflect on this and say, yeah, God is good. Yeah. So it's his fault then. Yes, it's totally his fault. <laughs> That's good. People blame God for a lot of things, but in this case, we probably are right to do so. I think that is so cool how God continues to pursue us even when things like aren't as good or even when we're not in a good spot. Mm -hmm. Like he is always faithful. I think even when our eyes are closed, I love how in hindsight we can look back and see like, man, God really was faithful. He really brought me through some stuff. Mm -hmm. So so you have this great experience at this church and the song and you're you're crying and that was a transformative experience moment for you but what has been kind of the ongoing results of that experience like how's your life been different so so different um so after that experience the first day um my friend kept pushing me and she's like you need to join a small group with us and i was just like oh no i can't do that i can't i can't and um why can't you like what was it about I the small group so i was like people are gonna judge me i'm so new in this like everybody's so much more experienced than i am and me being that control freak perfectionist i was like i i don't know everything i should know and how am i going to speak to all of these lifelong christians that have had this relationship and how how am i going to connect with them and yeah. i just did it. And it was very hard for me. Um, the first small group meeting, I just kind of sat there and I was just listening and listening. And I, I didn't share. And I kept going back and I kept going back. And two years later, I was just like this onion that was just peeled back and peeled back and peeled back. And I think my real, even with my friendships, like I was able to kind of soften my heart. I always came off as this very like put together, rigid person. And I, I'm like this soft little mushy thing now. It's like I can cry. <laughs> I can be vulnerable. I can talk to people about my faith. I have stronger friendships than I've ever had in my life. Um, people that know me and people that know my heart and just walk with me every single day. Like when I feel like I can't do it, I have great friendships that keep pushing me through. And yeah. um, even when I'm raising my kids – um, it's so cool to watch like my kid's heart in their faith and like watching that grow has been, and I get to help them do that. And that's so cool for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you were talking about how at the small group you didn't want to go and then it was like weird and, but you kept at it. Why do you think you kept at it? 
what made you keep going? Because God didn't wanted me there because <laughs> God didn't give up on me. He was you like, just love to blame you God should for all just of your keep going. And even uh, even my husband, I would there would be days that I'm like, I, I don't really want to go. He's like, you made a commitment and you're going to go. You should go. Keep going. Yeah. And he's like, I see a difference in you when you go and when you don't go. And it helped our marriage so much because my husband was a believer and Initially, you know, I'd like to say that, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer too, sure. And then it's like, I didn't get it until I yeah. got it. Yeah. You're talking about the difference between being a believer, like maybe like checking off the list, but then like a life that's been totally Absolutely. Transformed. I mean, I think in any situation, any, there's people that consider them, that say that they're a Christian and there's people that live it out. And I think we see that all the time. So. Yeah. So if somebody's kind of in your shoes and they're listening to this and they're saying like, you know what, like I'm a believer, but I don't really feel like I've seen a lot of life change. Like, how would you encourage somebody to try to, as you put it, get it a little more? Get your hands dirty. Get your get involved in your church. Um, reach out to people that are unchurched. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say unchurched, but like people that you wouldn't necessarily talk to or like or dive deep into your relationships with your friends. I mean, there are so many things that we keep bottled up or we don't talk about or, you know, I don't know. So you're saying all this stuff as a, as a stay at home mom who married Christian royalty, like a pastor's kid. <laughs> Is <you> it know? <laughs> really? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. That's a thing, right? There's a sense. I feel kind of always right. That like, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you know, especially in the world today. Like you look at everybody's social feed and it's just manicured, best foot forward kind of deal. And it's like easy for you to say, right, you had all these advantages, but me, like I may not have had those, right? And so what would you say to somebody who's like, man, it sure is easy for you to live as a Christian and to get it. Mm-mm. You're in a pastor's family. It must have been so easy for you. Mm-mm. No, it was not. Um when I went into my father-in-law's church, um, and this might be really hard for him to hear because he will listen to this, um, you sort of feel like you're put on this stage for everyone to watch you and make sure, or like not, they're not making sure you're anything, or maybe they are, but um, you feel like this responsibility to have a certain look about you or the way you pray or the way you praise God or how you raise your kids or what you're wearing. And um, it was a lot of pressure on Luke and I. And we went to a family life conference a year after we were married. And it was really hard for me to tell him, I can't go there anymore. Like, I, 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 I don't feel connected. I feel like everyone's watching us. And Weirdly enough, he felt the same way. And that's why we decided to leave that church and go to Resonate in Fremont um, because we both felt that we could really just let the Lord in and into our marriage and into our lives because we weren't put out there for everyone to see. And I think what's really hard for other, for a congregation to understand because they feel so close to the pastor or the pastor's family they don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And I think it's really hard for us being part of that 
to feel like we have to always be on. And yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Um, well, just for me, as a pastor's family myself, hey, you know, like, uh, I don't even think people mean to put pressure on you. Like they do it because they love you, like mm-hmm. in a sense. And it's certainly not anything with ill intent. No, not at and all. And I don't even really know how anybody could act differently, but that's just the way that it is. You know, you're an important figure in the church. There is some pressure that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know your father-in-law, but if he listens to this, like, I don't feel like that's a negative thing towards him or anything that you no, built. No, no. It's just like a fishbowl. You know? And he knows that. But we are actually starting to head back there, which is kind of interesting. Um, but it's a it's a good move for us. Um, we're actually heading back to that church right now, so which is I don't know how kind of coming full circle. I feel. Um, so yes, uh, no, it's not easy for uh, a past. Uh, I mean, a pastor's son and his wife to be part of that whole thing. I you. I didn't feel like my, I, I felt like I couldn't be myself or I, yeah. I always felt like I was, I had to be a certain way. So it's definitely different. You know, I love cliches and one of the great Christian cliches from like 1947 <laughs> is that like, like the goody two shoes, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like this is, you just act right. You do right. You're like perfect. And when we think about goodness, sometimes I think that's what we feel like our target is, right? To be a goody two shoes mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And this this kind of the idea that you're talking about, that being a real Christian, knowing God's goodness means acting right, living right, dressing right, being right, always being nice, always being on time, <laughs> these kind of things. But you're telling me you've experienced God's goodness in a different way. So if it's not these types of performative behaviors, what do you think is God's goodness in your life? I feel like God has reached me on so many different in so many different areas of my life during my my 30 years that I've been around I just I feel like my kids are my my goodness that you know my my marriage is my goodness my faith is my is my goodness my church family is my goodness I mean like just seeing little things even in my son's life he's in preschool now but just seeing little glimmers of his faith is just, I mean, that just lights a fire to me and I love it. It was on my 30th birthday because we have this thing in my husband's family. So my all my family's back east. So all that's here is my, um, not all that's here, but who's here is my husband's family. And they have this wonderful tradition that they do and they go around on your birthday and they ask you questions. And you have like, our family's humongous. So there's like 14 of us. And so you get a lot of questions. Um, and they asked me, you know, I forgot who asked me, but what what has changed for you in your life this year? And it was that I felt like I could be myself. I felt like I, for so long, I tried to be this picture perfect, something that somebody expected of me or being really good at something um, and um, identifying with like having really good grades in school or, you know, being the top producer in my company or something like that. But it wasn't until last year where I felt like I was this big pile of mushy goodness, like good things though. But, and you could penetrate me and you could hurt me. And I was, and it was okay. Like I felt like I, my walls were down and I could be vulnerable for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm thinking about this, you know, young Nicole <laughs> working hard and, you know, trying to live up to expectations. And then the message of the gospel, sometimes maybe it can come across as adversarial. Like I think of in Romans where it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like, how does that hit you when you're working hard to do everything? And it's like, this still isn't good enough. Like, how much do I need to give or or was it more that you took that as a like a liberating thing? Like it doesn't matter how much good I do, it's not enough. I need to just quit. I feel like it's more of a liberating thing. Um, I feel like I don't have to be perfect and I'm not and and striving for this perfectionism that I and this almost facade that I had on for so long um, of having it all together, being the being a good wife and being, you know, really great in my career and being the perfect mom. And it's a lot to keep doing day to day. And it was like almost when I turned 30, I was like, I can breathe. I can take this wall down. It's And it took a really long time to do that. It's where I felt safe and comfortable and I guess ready and willing to just let it just let the wall fall. And I don't need to be that way anymore. I don't need to keep safeguarding myself. How scary was it to let your wall fall down? Jeez. It took a long time. Um, very scary. Um, because you're at the point in your life where you can be hurt again. And I think that was that was the hardest thing for me. Because I'm getting all, my eyes are watering. But five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to get me to cry one time. I'd be very stone-faced. I know. So. We're going to have a crying contest, actually. Okay, I'm know, ready. I cry. I cry a lot, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I see you, you know, talking about these walls coming down and the sensitivity of your spirit and as you're putting it, mushy goodness. Mushy goodness. You know, and uh, maybe we could also say God's character working himself out in you. You know, and sometimes we see people with walls, not necessarily you specifically, but uh, the walls come up. More or less for a good reason, like because it's a responding to a hurt or because there's something that has happened. Mm -hmm. It's not like somebody just builds a wall because they're a giant jerk, (laughs) right? Things happen and then you respond to that. And so when you're talking about how when your wall comes down, you can get hurt again. Have you been hurt again since your wall came down? Or what's it been like to try to step into that place of vulnerability? I think it's more or less been a good thing for me, Um, but I'm able to feel emotions i'm able to feel sadness and i'm able to really feel happy when happy things happen and i can love my husband differently i can love him the way i should be you know and um just it's been really good in my marriage because i'm not holding my husband accountable for everything uh all the hurt that I've had in the past. So I think it's been really good. Yeah. Sometimes we perfectionists can uh, administrate perfectionism into those in our lives as well. Or expect expectations of perfectionism, I think. Yeah. And everybody lets you down, Mm -hmm. which kind of stinks. Why do people keep letting us down? But we're all falling short. And it kind of is that liberating message of God's goodness. So I'm hearing you talk a lot about how your life is different, like now that you've like fully stepped into following Jesus Christ. I think that's amazing. And I mean, really to him be the glory. But if somebody 
we're listening to this and they're saying, you know, like, it's great that your life is different, but what are some things that I can do to try to make my life different? Like, how would you suggest somebody to help try like practical things maybe that you do on a week to week basis that can help people lay down their walls or follow Christ a little bit more nearly to produce this in him? I'm going to sound super, not super cliche, but we love cliches. I'm going to write this one down. We're just doing it. Um, I think the first thing for me was completely surrendering. And that sounds cliche in, in the like the Christian world. Yeah, you surrender your heart. But it's so true in myself where it's like, I can't do this on my own. And I need to lay it all down before the Lord. And um, I so guess... to completely surrender, is that... Are you speaking about that event, kind of that moment that you had at that church service when Oceans was playing? Or are you talking about kind of more of an ongoing process? It's an ongoing process. I mean, that was four years ago. I mean, it has been a constant day-to-day surrendering of that you just don't have it all together. And as much as you think you do, Nicole, you do not have it together. And... Um, so is that like a change in your mindset or is this changing everything is changing my heart. It's, it's talking about, it's talking about stuff with my friends. It's talking about stuff with my, with my in-laws and, um, and I mean, I'd like to say that every morning I get up and I pray and I journal and I do all that stuff, but I don't do that. Um, but it's just every, any chance I get, I'm driving, I'm praying. Um, and I'm just asking for his help in my life in my day-to-day in my parenting it's I find myself stopping and being like god I with my kids screaming around me god I need your help please help me I wonder if god can hear over the screaming of our kids (laughs) I feel like he can which is pretty cool oh I think he can and even if you're not praying out loud I think that if you're like even thinking it or he knows what's on your heart and I think that was like a big changing moment for me too. It's like, I don't have to broadcast everything out. I don't have to broadcast my prayers or what's, God knows what's on my heart and God knows what I'm feeling. And he's there with me every step of the way. Sometimes there's this mindset almost that like to surrender or to be vulnerable means I have to tell everybody all of my deepest, darkest secrets. I have to be like a vent you're already saying no. Okay. I haven't even asked you a question. You're I'm just like, not This that. is not acceptable. I am not that person. <laughs> it's because I'm not. It's because I am very, like, even when I was writing this outline and I was like, I even said to Natalie, I was like, I am not, I can't, I can't write everything in there. Like, it's, I don't think you have to put everything on a billboard and put it out there. I don't. Um, but I think that. I think being open when somebody asks you or somebody wants to hear your story, I think being open about it and connecting that way on a personal level. Yeah, so truthful about your feelings or truthful about your struggles. Right. That's being transparent. That's what I mean, being open. Yes. I've been reading through the Psalms a lot in the Old Testament this last year, and I really love how the Psalms model for us that we can tell God the truth about how we're really feeling. I love that a lot. But that doesn't mean you have to tell every single person you meet. Right. But that's different than perfectionism. And so, like, this is all really complicated, you know, where we're trying to unpack it. So if somebody's listening and they're like, how do I be vulnerable without going too far? You know, I don't know. I would suggest maybe try to be vulnerable with the Lord in your Mm -hmm. prayer life, first and foremost, and find a small circle you can trust and lean into them. 
know, I think it's great that you had a like-minded spouse, a like-minded small group. You know, I think these things are so hard to do on your own. And so I'd encourage somebody to step in here at Three Crosses with our, one of our communities or one of our home community groups or one of our care ministries. Like it's so hard to do fully, fully alone. It's hard to step out of your comfort zone. And it's <laughs> it's hard to tell your truth to somebody else or even even speak your truth out loud. I think that's really hard is when like you can lie to yourself all you want or not say anything or not say your true feelings, but like God knows what's in your heart and your mind. Like you don't even have to pray it out loud. Like he knows. Um, But I think coming along with a community and being able to work those things out is what helped me the most. Yeah. I like that you're saying God knows what's in your heart because sometimes we worry that God knows what's in our heart. You know, when you're talking about how you Mm -hmm. thought of God as like the hand of punishment on my life and he knows what's in my heart and he's horrified and he hates me. (laughs) And now the mindset is God knows what's in my heart and that's so good because I can give it to him. And so the hand of God is still in your life, but it's a hand of peace and a hand of blessing and not a hand of condemnation and of discouragement. I think that's beautiful picture of the goodness of God. Um, Are there any uh, scriptures or favorite Bible verses that you have that you just love to think about when you're thinking about his goodness and how he has never given up on you. You wrote one down. I will. I, you don't have the whole Bible memorized. No, definitely not. Not being a new Christian. That's for sure. Well, nobody has it memorized. (laughs) Only perfectionists who are worried about the hand of God punishment (laughs) in their life. Um, and because he's been faithful in the past and he's good in the present, you can trust him with your future. Second Timothy's two 13. Yeah. I think that's so cool to look back in our lives and see, man, God really was faithful. God really helped me. No matter what comes my way, we can overcome it. I think that's his goodness in our lives. I love the way Larry's been talking on Sunday about how being rooted in him, planted in God's soil produces this in our life because you didn't do anything. Actually, you give God all the blame for this, for changing your life, for changing your heart, for uh, planting you around good people who love you and care for you. That's pretty pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I guess God really does deserve all the blame for this type of thing. <laughs> and so I want to encourage our listeners, like if you are also struggling, if you're feeling like, I don't really know how to walk this all out. I wish that I saw more good things in my life, like that peace in a marriage, that joy with my kids. These things all sound so attractive. I encourage you to step out and chase after Christ. At Three Crosses, we talk a lot about uh, life transformation through following Jesus Christ. And I think that you can have it. And so, Nicole, thank you for sharing a little bit about how you've been changed in following Christ. I think this has been encouraging for our, our listeners and I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful to Nicole for coming in and sharing her heart and her life with us in such a bold and powerful way. I pray that it has impacted you as you have sought to follow Jesus Christ in your own life. If you have any questions for us or any prayer requests or even any feedback for our podcast, would you reach out to us at podcast at threecrosses.org and get in touch that way? We'd love to connect with you or pray for you or help you connect a little bit more to God's goodness in your life today. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you soon.